This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the 343 Podcast. This is another installment of Two Minutes Uninterrupted. On these short episodes, coaches are given two minutes to discuss their coaching philosophy and ideas about the game. After that, we talk about the topics that they touched on and we try to extract at least one gold nugget that you can leave with. The guest on this episode is Luke Babson. So a big thank you to Luke for coming on the show. And funny story real quick. Luke was actually the first person to run over the two minutes, but I was feeling nice. So I let him keep going and he ended up finishing somewhere around four and a half minutes. So just know that you are in store for a slightly longer version of this two minutes uninterrupted. Uh, you can connect with Luke on Twitter. I've provided a link to his personal profile on 343coaching.com. I've also provided links to PDXFC, uh, both their Twitter and their website. You'll hear Luke and I discuss what PDXFC is, why it exists, who's involved, all of that. Uh, so you can find both of those links on 343coaching.com as well. That is also where you can learn more about 343's premium coaching membership program. It is a powerful and proven coaching education program for ambitious coaches who want to coach possession-based soccer using gold standard methods. The 343 methodology is the culmination of decades of study and practice domestically and overseas. Of note are Brian Clyburn's five internships at FC Barcelona along with lots of trial and error to hone his coaching craft. And that methodology is delivered to you in an easy-to-use online course that is loaded with video, audio, and ebook lessons. If you want to start developing players and teams to their full potential, it makes sense for you to get access to the 343 Premium Membership Program. You can sign up and start doing that today by visiting 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast with Luke Babson. All right, here's two minutes uninterrupted with Luke Babson. Go for it. All right. So I think just to start when, when talking about philosophy, it's, you know, myself and, and hopefully a lot of other coaches out here that are, that are American are, are looking at the current state of, of the game and, you know, all the way up to our national team and, and the level of players and teams that we're developing and, and hopefully asking questions of, you know, how can we do better? How, uh, how can I contribute? How can, uh, you know, how can all of us collectively help to improve, improve the American teams and, and, uh, and players individually? I think for me, it, it starts with a premise of the American player is, is capable of more. Uh, and, and it's a matter of the level of training that we can provide and, and shifting the culture in, in the right directions. Uh, for me, when I'm, when I'm developing players, ultimately I want them to, to have superior technical abilities as, as well as tactical knowledge and, and understanding uh system wise i've i've pretty much specifically worked for the last eight years or so within a four three three uh system 
And I think it, it all comes down to as a coach, you know, how clearly can you define what you want to do with the ball and, and what you want to do without the ball and, you know, really defining all those moments and, and the roles within your team and, and system. Uh, for me, my philosophy is, is to start with, with building from the back. 30 seconds. Uh, with an emphasis on, on playing through the lines and, and doing that intelligently. Uh, <clears throat> that takes a lot. Um, there has to be rehearsed positional roles. So starting points is, is players should understand positionally where, where they need to be at all times based on, on who has the ball, where the ball has been won on the field. 10 seconds. Um, you know, and, and for instance, if, if your goalkeeper has the ball, where, where is every player's starting point? Where do you need them to be on the field? Uh, and then as the ball rotates, where does each player need to be? Uh, as a, a throw-in, a set piece, where do you need to be positionally? Uh, and then, you know, once you can build through through these areas and, and move the ball into your more attacking half, it's it's about creating scoring opportunities through combination play, dynamic movements, creating overload scenarios, developing players that are dynamic in 1v1 situations, uh, you know, and, and training all these final third concepts, crossing and finishing as well. Uh, and then, of course, throwing in how, how can you train the variables that, that you're then going to face in terms of pressure that the defense can throw at you. And so how can you train all these concepts? And, and for me, I can, I can hit it through simple rondos that are going to teach, you know, the basics of, of movement off the ball and reading time and space and, and decision-making moving into positional rondos that have all those elements, but are now providing repetitions positionally for players. Uh, and then lots of small sided games that continue to be positional and, and just really drive all these, these concepts of, of what we need to do when we have the ball home uh, without the ball. I want to press high uh, I want to win the ball high up the field and, and not let the other team get comfortable. And the defensive side of the game is, is the same with when you have the ball, though you have to have every player understand how their, how their role works within the system, where they need to be defensively, who, who they're responsible for and, and what areas of the field they're responsible for. And then, you know, if you can teach all those things to where you're pressing high up the field with your, your forwards and wingers, you're tight in the midfield and then you have an organized back line that that doesn't get beat into space and, and doesn't allow players to receive the ball with with time and space to turn and and create opportunities then i think you're starting to to reach kind of the the style of play that that i want to see but i also believe ultimately develops top players that that are intelligent both sides of the ball and you know can ultimately then hopefully move on to to higher levels and and help the American game grow and and reach you know the levels that we want to within kind of more global standards. All right, you ran the light. <laughs> <laughs> did I hit two minutes or no. did, was it, what was the time there? Uh, much more. <laughs> it's like four, oh no, four and a half. <laughs> oh goodness, sorry about that. No problem. Could you hear me when I said thirty seconds and ten seconds? That, no, I didn't actually. Oh, that was wow. my fault. Okay. Uh, maybe I need to say it louder then. But I, I, I was going to interrupt you, and I was like, eh, I'm just going to let him. I'm just going to let him roll and see. Uh, All right, cool. See what happens. And because com- I, I, I do stand up comedy every now and again, and comedy we call it running the light because when when your time's up on stage, they flash a light at you. And, oh yeah, yeah. And and it's always funny to 
to me to kind of just just see how people react when they see the light. Uh, but if you didn't hear me, then then you didn't know, and and you just and and you kept going, and and you I just kept rolling. You didn't you didn't let it interrupt your flow at all, which I think is is pretty interesting. So, um, all right, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself now. Tell me tell me who you are and, and where you're at and and what level you're working with, and then I'll pick you apart with some questions. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Luke Babson, and I have a couple roles. Uh, I'm a, a co-owner and then also a head coach with uh, PDXFC, which is a men's team that competes in the the NPSL, the National Premier Soccer League. I'll be going into my fourth season this year uh, within that role. And then uh, I've also had a lot of experience coaching within club level. And, and most recently, I've taken a position as a coordinator with uh, the Washington Timbers, which is in Vancouver, Washington, very close to Portland, Oregon, where I live. Uh, as a coordinator for their U11 and U12 boys and girls age groups. Uh, in the past, I've been an assistant coach with Western Oregon University's women's program uh, and, and done some other work within like ODP and uh, those type of programs. Washington Timbers just sounds funky. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does. It does. We're uh, we're right across the river from uh, from Portland, so... It's relatively close, but yeah, different state. And then uh, tell tell me real quick, co-owner of PDX FC, so co-owner of an NPSL team. How did how did that come about? Uh, you know, so it's my other co-owner is is my brother. So uh, and he, you know he has a bit of a background in the game as well. And it was just something that that I'd been thinking about for a while that. Uh, we just we wanted to, to give it a go and, and we thought about it a lot, put a business plan together and uh, you know, I already knew that there was a lot of talent that we could we could build a team with and that it would be it would be something that would be really good for for the Portland area to to provide something that was that was kind of missing. And what's the what's the ultimate goal with PDX FC then? Is it to exist? Is it to compete against the the local I don't, i'm not too sure what the local landscape looks like there is it compete on a national scale is it to continue to grow into something bigger and different what's the what's the idea right now you know the idea right now is is you know first of all to to figure out how to make something sustainable that that can last and so you know figuring out everything on on the business side in terms of just expenses and and then you know the revenues that we can bring in and, and we've been pretty successful on those sides not to say we're we're making a load of money but you know we've, we've been able to kind of figure it out how to how to make something sustainable that's that's going to be around uh and and for us what we we really want to do is be a stepping stone right now for for players uh and that's whether that's getting players to, to sign a professional contract for, for either the first time or, you know, maybe they we were a little bit of a, a team in a gap in their professional career to keep them playing at a high level. For some guys, it's it's to really get them prepared to go back and have the best college season that they can possibly have. Uh, and then we have some guys who are who are very talented that are that are young that maybe for whatever reason didn't end up at a college program, but they're they're players that are worth investing in that have all the talent in the world and, and we think we can really develop, uh, you know, over the next couple of years and, and push them on to opportunities that, that maybe wouldn't have existed for them otherwise. That's awesome, man. Um, one of the things that you said in, in the beginning was you believe that American players are capable of more. And I want to kind of tie that into 
American communities are capable of more specifically, you know, Portland and, and what you're trying to do with PDXFC. It's like, there's, there's more than just Portland Timbers in Portland. The, the, right. the soccer community is capable of so much more than just Portland Timbers and PDXFC. Uh, I'm sure there's a number of different youth clubs and men's league teams and, and women's league teams that exist there. The, the American communities are, are capable of so much more. Um, but to, to go back to exactly what you said, you said American players are capable of more. Can you expand right. on that a little bit? Like, like where, where did that thought come from or, or, or when did, when did that thought enter your, your mind? I think it's just something that I've, that I've noticed over the years with, with being involved in the game at, at different levels. Uh, and, and what I'm, what I'm really getting at that is I just think a lot of players go through their development cycle with, pieces missing you know whether that's not having access to great coaching uh you know not having access to enough games or facilities or the right clubs due to due to financial aspects uh there's just a lot so so a lot of what i'm talking about i guess is outside of the you know the teaching of the game but how do we make it more accessible and and you know uh, open up our player pool to i think some of the talent that exists uh, that is already there in some ways, but then also not being developed to to their potential. So I think it's it's both having good coaches that that are doing a better job coaching matches with trade training sessions, uh, but then also opening up the game to to just simply provide more opportunities and more pathways. I want to make sure that I, I don't speak out of turn. I've done a handful of interviews this morning already, so everything's kind of jumbled together. Did you did you yeah, yeah. did you say that you coached women's soccer at some point? I did. Yeah, okay. I actually spent seven seven years as a, uh, as an assistant coach at the the NCAA Division two level. Got it. So this is where my my thought was going with that. When you say American players are capable of so much more, the way you described it is almost like American soccer in general is capable of so much more and exactly and it's kind of funny to to say that when our our women's national team just won the world cup right it's like like how much more can our women soccer players achieve but the consensus from from so uh, across the country with coaches with coaches with fans with everybody is like we're, we're not doing good enough even though we are the best in the world, is that, I don't, I don't know. Do you kind of feel the same way? Am I, am I out of turn for saying something like that? Well, clearly we're doing a lot of things right on, on the women's side. And, and what I find interesting is it's, we have some very talented individual players on, on the women's side that in some ways it's hard to point to like an American counterpart. And so like to even take a, a Tobin Heath, how many American wingers do we really have that are out there like saucing on players at the international level on, on the ball, off the dribble with those kind of one V one capabilities. Um, so it, it raises some interesting questions on how we have some very dynamic players in the attack on the women's side. And then why are we actually lacking some of those game breakers on the men's side? Um, but I do ah. think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of countries that are catching the women and, and we're going to have to continue to put everything under the microscope to, to stay at the top because I think there's simply globally, there's, there's becoming more money in women's football in other countries. Um, and I think that speaks positively to the U S culture that we, we do encourage our young 
you know, young girls to play in very competitive environments and sports. And, and maybe that's been missing in other parts of the world. So it, I think there's a lot of positives in terms of what we have done on the women's side, but, but we have to understand that, that we can still become better in terms of what we're doing there as well. I, I did not see you taking that the way that you took that statement. Because you, you, you started talking about Tobin and I thought you were going to start talking about like, there's nobody else in the women's pipeline that's, you know, can resemble her sauce. And, and then you, you, you took it a completely different direction. You said on the men's side. And my first reaction was, I absolutely agree with you. Um, there, there's been nobody in the, in the U S men's national team that has like that sauce or that flavor the last I don't know, maybe, maybe since Dempsey, like, and, and Dempsey wasn't like a, like a Tobin type sauce. Right. Dempsey was like a different flavor, um, like a different attitude, but yeah, there's no, nobody really with like, like that. I kind of like, I don't want to say show off in a bad way because I I don't mean it that way, but like, kind of like a, like a showboat type attitude like Tobin has where she gets the ball and she's like, I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to embarrass you and and I'm going to display my whole arsenal of tricks around you. There's no, there's nobody in the men's national team program, senior level that that has done that for how long? I don't, I don't even know how long. Right. And not even just on the wing, but like where are number 10 type players, where are number nines? And um, so I, I think it just begs a lot of questions on what in the world are we doing on the men's side? Why are we not producing some more creative players in, in some of these positions? Do you have any, uh, speculations? Any, any people are always like, okay, well, what's your solution? It's like, well, that's a, that's a great question. So have you, have you thought about like, you know, potential, potential solutions for that? It's, it's a difficult question. And, you know, I think about it a lot. I think that it's just, it's giving opportunities to, I see younger players that have some of those types of skill sets. Right. And we probably all have, if we've seen, you've gone out and you've seen some sort of, you know, U 17 player that sort of drops your jaw. And we've seen those players in our state and, and we know that they are out there to a certain extent. So I think it's more, you know, really that kind of, what are these players doing between maybe the ages of 18 to 22? If, if they're not able to break into MLS, you know, initially and get the time, we've seen, you know, young players stagnate or did they go the college route uh, where maybe that isn't, you know, a, f- a four year period that's going to match what's somebody, you know, it, in Spain or, you know, Germany is, is getting, or or these countries that are further along than us. So I think it's really identifying how we develop players in in a certain time period that, that do show some of these abilities at young ages, but making sure then that they're getting competitive games and continuing to, to grow. uh, And then ultimately, you know, be making a big time impact as they get a little bit older. Yeah. One of the things that really caught my attention when 343 first started to put out, you know, YouTube videos of, of the kids when they were U11 and U12 um, was Uli Yanez and yeah. the way that, you know, as a 12 year old, he just completely, um, you know, he, he copied for lack of better terms, Neymar from the haircut to the, just all the way down to the way that he, he touched the ball. And yeah. that was something that was different and stood out to me and now you you watch like you know how he's kind of evolved from the time he was 10 11 12 years old to the time you know now 18 19 years old now he's with wolfsburg in in germany but he's still not fully integrated 
into the the national team program and by that i mean like you know was kind of like a, a, a used as almost like a super sub at this last uh, summer's u20 world cup so like that that player still hasn't really found its place in american soccer at the at the national team level now that's not to say that uli is not going to become that player in a few years at the senior level because i absolutely think that he he will but you know what's it going to take for that to become the standard or what's that what's it going to take for uli to to break the mold of uh, you know the standard right now which is like a paul Ariola you know, right. as, as the guy who's, who's the winger, it's like, okay, well, you know, what's special about Paul, Paul Ariola? What, what, what sauce does Paul have, uh, that, that is making him, you know, continue to be part of the national team program. And I think Uli is just completely different flavor again. So that's, that's kind of right. where my, where my brain went when you started talking about that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to see other guys get opportunities. I think when we have a pool of players who have, you know, no disrespect to Apollo Ariola, who I think works very hard defensively and has certain qualities, but I think you could all say that he's he's probably not who we exactly want starting in the next World Cup. So why not be giving these opportunities to some of these young players that have shown certain certain abilities and and you know allow them to to receive that period of a couple of years of development and and you know the high level games that maybe can get them over that hump. Is providing opportunities for players of that style something that you guys are trying to do with PDXFC? Is that something that you guys are intentionally trying to accomplish? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're gonna we're gonna play a, a style of play that I kind of outlined earlier, where we want to play through the lines. We want to have you know players that are creative in in the midfield and can pull the strings, and and we want to have players that are dynamic out wide. Uh, we want to find goals through through quick combination play and then being unpredictable in the attack so i think that the more coaches that are out there that they can kind of learn how to coach these types of teams and the, these systems that don't rely on you know too much on physical play and and big strong fast players just sprinting up and down the line and playing balls into space then then the more players that that fit that mold are going to kind of have opportunities and and move through the hoops and but it's a different style and and you have to understand the coaching points and and how it how it fits together and and one of the other things that I wrote down uh, that you said and this kind of fits in with with what you just uh, said right there is, is that this takes a lot and you know compiling all that. Uh, all that information, your vision, uh, how you want your teams to play, the, creating the players, creating the team, the, the club itself, uh, to uh, to have this the opportunity to give these players that that opportunity to actually play. It, it all takes a lot. So I'm curious, right. I, and I'm always fascinated by by people's answers to the or to this question is, is why 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 do you do this what what's what's the what's the reason behind you and your brother getting together to start this thing and and what do you guys I, I, and not in a demeaning way but like like what do you guys get out of it i think from to speak from my perspective in a lot of ways it's i, I want to coach for a career so so there's also that piece to it that it's you know it's been very good coaching experience and um so there's that side of it you know for me um, but it's just something that I love and, and I'd kind of, I'd thought about this type of project to be honest for a few years before we pulled, pulled the trigger on it. And, um, it was something I was just found myself passionate about thinking a lot about, I'd, you know, I'd written up business plans before we'd even gotten too serious about doing it. It was just something that kind of grew within me and, 
um, that I wanted to, to put out there. And I think that it's, it's good for the game and we need people that are willing to, to take those kind of risks and, and do something different. I'd, I'd love to get you back on the show to just to talk specifically about what it, what it goes into building an NPSL team. I don't know. Yeah, you, I that would, that would be cool. Yeah. Because I, f- I feel like there's a lot that people don't understand about, you know, going from idea conception. So putting pen to paper, Hey, you know, or, or business plan, um, to actually, you know, what it, what it took to get to taking the field on, on day one. And then what yeah. it take what it takes to continue that into season two, season three, season four. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's just a lot that people don't understand about that process. I know Dennis Crowley's done a great job of, uh, or, or initially did a great job of, of yeah. presenting a lot of information, a lot of just cold, hard facts. Hey, you know, here, here are the numbers. Here's behind the scenes. Look, here's everything. Um, and I, uh, right. And, and we kind of use that as a blueprint, to be honest, when we were starting, we looked at, it sort of gave us a, you know, a business plan. And, and to be honest with you, we looked at his numbers and said, okay, we're not, we don't have Dennis Crowley type money. So actually <laughs> ours was, you know, like a scaled down business plan, but it gave us, um, kind of check a checklist, you know what I mean? To, to work through in certain aspects, maybe we, we wouldn't have thought of. So it was cool that he put that out there. And I think for us to share more information kind of on our spin on, on how we're doing it can hopefully maybe, you know, maybe inspire some other people out there to, to look into it in their, their towns and cities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's just this crazy theme that just seems to be popping up this week and last week. Uh, I just recently interviewed a guy named Colin McComb who, who runs a youth club that's non pay to play. So he figured out a way to fund his youth Academy uh, yeah, know, through outside sources that now allows him to just operate freely, um, which, which is awesome. And then he figured out a way to, to have some connections in Europe. So some of the, the people that are able to go that route or, or that are, are capable of going that route uh, now have an outlet to, to seek a more professional environment than, than what the Youth Academy offers. And that's, uh, it's kind of amazing. And it sounds like you guys are, are doing something along the same lines in Portland. And I'd love to just sit down and, and talk with you about just that for like 45 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, we're kind of, we're exploring some of those same ideas and the way we're funding our men's team. And, you know, to be honest, we'd love to down the road, be able to open up that model to also fund a, you know, a U18 team and a U16 team or, or something like that. And I think there's, like there is ways to create revenue that doesn't just involve, you know, out of the players and the parents pockets. And I think that's for the game to really take the next steps in our country. We, we need to explore that. We have to eliminate the, the gap here that, that creates so many problems that the pay to play system has, has limited us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think uh, I, I think I'm going to put my question asking on hold and and then just try to connect with you about scheduling a, a 2.0 because yeah, I, I think that would, that would be that'd be awesome. Yeah, um, awesome, dude. I didn't uh, I, I I didn't know much about uh, you know PDXFC. I still don't know a, a ton about it, but I'm excited to learn more. Um, and it, I think this was a good a good first 25 minutes. Yeah, very cool. And uh, thank you for for having us on, and and we're happy to to share the story more.
All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. If you're interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program today. That's where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work here in the United States. Kieran Boyle, a 343 member, said, an added bonus to the 343 coaching curriculum is that it's always accessible. Courses in the States are great for the weekend, but tend to lose momentum shortly thereafter. I am always looking back at the phase one activities, methodologies, and video content, end quote. So once again, to continue your learning from 343, you can learn more about our membership program or go and sign up at 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll catch you next time.